0: Who dat, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Who Dat Dish podcast. We are part of Fansided, bringing you everything New Orleans Saints. That includes news, opinions, analysis, and yes, of course, special guests, which we have one fantastic guest for you guys today. First, uh, I want to introduce uh, our, I guess, he's pretty much a co-host at this point. Uh, I'm Dayton Brown. Uh, please welcome back. Uh, this is like the third week in a row he's on the show. Uh, you can find him on Twitter, at St. Charlie. Charlie Pollock, huge Saints fan. You guys know him. Analysis, Chalk Talk with Charlie. Charlie, how you doing? Thanks for coming back on the show, man. Thanks,
1: man. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. Excited for our awesome guest today.
0: Oh man, I'm I'm, super, I'm just going to pass it off to Tyler because uh, I can't wait for you to introduce him. Let's get to it.
2: Yeah, yeah let's do it, guys. Uh, what's up, everybody? He, I'm your other host, Tyler Raymond. So we've got a huge episode today, so let's not waste any time. Our next guest is last, but certainly not least. He's a host of the podcast, Saints Talk. He covers the Saints with a New Orleans advocate, and he's respected among not only his peers, but thousands of Saints fans. Please, everyone, welcome Mr.
3: Nick Underhill. How's Thank it going, Nick? hey i'm doing well thanks for having me and i agree charlie is a great guest so i'm excited to be here with charlie uh, <laughs> thanks,
0: hey, we Dave. we got we got like the twin towers here man we got we got the two best guests we could we could think of uh, yeah nick thank you so much again for taking your time out of your day joining us today um obviously busy busy five days away from from the actual kickoff um how's the mood down in new orleans right now everything about to get going for the saints and obviously after a fantastic preseason from the guys
3: yeah, I think I think they're ready to get going for the season. I'm excited to kind of see how this team comes together, too. I mean, it can be hard during training camp. You know, It's there's, like, talk about, like, Marshawn Lattimore. People worried about how he's practicing and that. But, like, you see it in glimmers and spurts. And I, I think once the season starts, a lot of that stuff will sort itself out. I mean, I guess really the, the only real concern for me about this team right now heading into the season is still just kind of the, the run defense. And that was a big issue last year. They allowed 4.4 yards per carry which isn't good and it kind of flew under the radar just because they were ahead so often and teams couldn't run on them the tougher schedule and then you you saw a step back in that third preseason game the run defense was was actually you know really bad when the the first team was out there and then in the last preseason game they, they got the starting linebackers out there and they're still ripping off you know seven eight yard runs so I think that's kind of like the big thing going into week one that that's the big unknown for me so I mean I think they'll get that sorted out. The players are better, and if they do, uh, I think I think everything should be okay. But yeah, I mean, the mood and everything. I, I think, I think there's a lot of confidence around this team and inside the building. And you know, I think they expect to do great things.
0: A I bet
2: long time there is. for this. Yeah, yeah. And I was just gonna agree with you guys there. I bet there is. You know, and uh, before we get into all the juice, you know, of all the Saints talk, we actually want to get uh, with you, Nick, just to talk about you for a little bit, if you mind that. So let's just kick off the questions there, Nick. Uh, I'll start off first. I just want to ask a. Uh, What inspired you to get into the field, you know, journalism, sports writing, covering NFL teams?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I won't sugarcoat it. I was kind of like a lost teenager. I had no direction in life, had no idea what I was doing, Uh, you know, wasn't a great high school student. And I had this English teacher that just kind of thought I wrote well and you know she went out of her way to to you know really care about me and you know i, I think a lot of my teachers and, and stuff at that time kind of like viewed me as like a lost cause and th- this one teacher really took a shine to me Mrs. Yopes and uh mm-hmm. you know she set up a thing for me to to write some freelance stories for the local newspaper and i started doing that and i you know it was just something kind of like natural for me but you know even with that it, it wasn't like you know oh this is what i'm going to do with the rest of my life it was just kind of like something that i was doing and then you know, after high school, I took a couple of years off. Uh, I was doing concrete work and, you know, you, it just got to a point where like that wasn't something that I wanted to do. Like I, I was looking at my uncles and then I was like, I can't do this for the rest of my life. So I went mm-hmm. back to college and e- even in college, I, I wasn't a great student there either. I transferred twice. I went to three different colleges. Uh, I actually didn't even finish college. I got the opportunity to start covering the Patriots during I, I was coming up probably on my last year. You know, if everything would have went well, I might have got my degree that year. I, I can't guarantee it because, I, again, I was a terrible student. But I got <laughs> the opportunity to, to, to cover them. And, you know, I, I took it. And, you know, that's now I'm here. You know, four years covering the Patriots. And, and then I ended up down here.
2: That's great, man. That's absolutely great to hear. You know, it's funny how, you know, just how times have changed, you know, and how, you know, years pass. And then I look to where you are now. It's pretty incredible. So.
0: Yeah, and I, can, I, I, I I definitely feel you on that a uh, bad student one, too. I, I feel you on that, man. Obviously, you can, <laughs> try, you all can try, try all you want in school. Sometimes just, just doesn't always work out.
1: I was a horrendous high school student. <laughs> like <laughs> I couldn't care less about school. Yeah, but, yeah. It, it was
3: yeah. terrible. I mean, you know, I kind of created my own luck, though. Uh, like, I, I saw a thing while I was going to college. I, I was, like, doing work for the local paper still, so, and it was, like, covering, like, like swim meets, cross-country mm-hmm. Just, just really terrible stuff that nobody else wanted to do. And I, I saw an ad for this paper in Massachusetts. They wanted somebody uh, to cover the Red Sox in spring training, and I called them up. I was like, "Hey, I'm going to be down there. I'd like to do this." And they said, "Yeah, you can do it." Well, like I wasn't going to be down there. So once they gave me the job, like I paid out of pocket to get a plane ticket. I paid for my hotel room. I lost like thousands of dollars on the deal. But for some reason, I like I was stupid enough to believe that if I did this and they saw my work, it might lead to something. And knowing what I know now, like there's like almost zero chance I could work out. But that's what happened. I went down there. I did it. They liked what I did. I came back like a few months later. They asked me to to start blogging about the Patriots. And I was living in Pennsylvania. And they're like, yeah, go ahead and do this. So I started doing it. And I was getting paid like a penny a page. you making no money at all. Oof, wow. I, I thought like, OK, well, I got this connection with this paper. I'm covering this team. So I reached out to the Patriots, I got credentials, and I started driving out the games from Pennsylvania, eight hours one way, paying out of my own pocket. Wow. Oof. Doing that for like five or six weeks during that season 2010. Like, hey, why don't you just move out here? Like, this is this is going really well, and, and you can have this job. So I dropped out of school, and I went out there, and, and that's how it all worked out.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, that's kind of, uh, Tyler and I can kind of relate to that too, in terms of, uh, especially nowadays with the ever-growing sites uh, for for not just fans, but uh, up, up-and-coming up journalists too. Uh, you know, a lot of the times you got to take freelance work or, 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 or work where you paid pennies on the dollar. And if you enjoy doing it, if if you got passion for it, it definitely pays off. And I think you're a good example of that. But yeah, I think Tyler and I can definitely relate yeah, to that. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome stuff, yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you want it bad enough, it's hard, you know, at a certain point, you know, those hungry guys, I, you know, and I still do my job like that now. Like, I do some, like, I just did the story where I watched the last 7,500 passes breeze through. And, like, wow. <laughs> and it's like... Well, I know there's there's other people out there like me. There's a younger version of me that, that is just so hungry and would mm. cut my throat to have what I have. And, I, you know, I try to respect the job I have. And, you know, if I'm holding the spot, I want to make sure I'm earning my spot. And I don't ever want to be one of those guys that's just, you know, like lazy and showing up and, and not being creative. So, I mean, because th- there are always going to there's going to be a young Nick or a young Tyler or, you know, you guys like whoever. At some point, if you're more hungry than me, you're going to be able to cut my throat. I'm not mm. going to let that happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's Man. a really good point, actually. Yeah, there's, there's That's definitely subtle. probably guys out there watching uh Breeze's past, uh, uh all his past, what seven thousand five hundred passes too, or, or game film or whatever it may be, and, and just doing it for the passion. So yeah, hundred percent. All right, and then next question, I'll, I'll actually have uh, you ask this next question, Charlie, since you came up with it. Great question.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean you know, we know you came down from New England and covered the Patriots, and I'm sure you've gotten this this before since you've come down. But you know, <clears throat> I'm s i am i mean, obviously I'm a Saints fan, but I'm someone who has a lot of respect for the Patriots in this dynasty that they've created. And I'd like to know what type of, you know, similarities do you see between the two organizations as far as how they're how they're managed and how they're ran, um, between, you know, the Saints and the Patriots. And then how? How? Like, what are the biggest differences? Do you see? Like, obviously, Peyton is a very different kind of coach than than Belichick. Belichick's a lot more reserved, and but Peyton kind of is too, especially on the injury report side. But what are some of you know the the biggest similarities you see between the two organizations, and then obviously some of the big differences? I think the biggest difference.
3: Right off the top, I think it's how the two teams manage their cap. But I, I guess that's a lot easier for New England when you got a quarterback who isn't trying to get paid and he's willing to take like mid-level deals. It makes it a lot easier to to navigate the cap. But I, and I also think that there's and it's probably unmatched in all sports. Like really, just the shrewdness of the Patriots and their you know unsentimental nature and willingness to cut you know beloved name players early before their contracts get bad or their situations get bad, you know, they'll let Vince Wilford go. Well, he's still got a few years left on, on, you know, on the motor. And I think other teams are, are afraid to make moves like that or aren't quite as bold. But then, uh, you know, the flip side of that is, is they might've just got it wrong with Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Tom Brady. So maybe they, there is a limit to their shrewdness as far as the similarities. I mean, there, there's a lot. I mean, they both came from, from the Parcells tree. I think there's a right. lot of things they do that, mm. that are, very similar there's a lot of talking points that are very similar uh you know from a media perspective like i I think covering the patriots was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because it it taught me to be more self-reliant and i had to figure out like how to analyze the game better on my own because when you ask the coach or the players what was going on they don't tell you what's going on they don't do anything to help you at all so it's kind of like you got to figure out if you don't want to write garbage stuff like you got to figure out how to get you know 750 800 words on your own and just have like these little garbage quotes and then when i came down here it's like i knew how to do all that stuff and now i got like players and coaches who were like actually willing to talk about it so i think it made me even better because like i can blend the two things but you know i think sean has this reputation of my and i really don't know where it comes from like where he's like not media friendly or whatever like he's just not media friendly about injuries like just don't ask him about injuries and he's not gonna help like if you want to know about like how something works or like learn something about the game and you ask him a question, like he will answer it and you will learn things. And you know, I, I'm, I'm grateful. I mean, I've learned a lot about the game from him and I just don't think that he's at all like Belichick and how he deals with,
1: you know, other people. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I remember when he signed that his last, his last extension, I mean, he sat there in the media room for forever and answered every question. He opened up and talked about his mom. I mean, he, I don't see a lot of that similarity at all. I think you're right. I mean, the biggest one obviously is you know, his classic injury answers where it's, well, uh, so-and-so is dealing with a lower body injury and we like where he's at. <laughs> you don't really get a lot of information from him. But, yeah, I mean, as far as person-to-person, they're, they're not very similar at all. Yeah, it's just the strategy stuff. And, that
3: you know, I understand why they protect that. Or, like, people get mad because they don't announce their cuts on cut down day. And it's like, well, you know, these other teams that announce their cuts, that you're just giving every other team time to look at the players they cut. Maybe there's somebody on that cut list, a name that, you know, maybe they were on the fence about. Now you give them more time to do more evaluation and decide if they want to claim your player. So it's little things like that. I mean, but like, I understand where he's coming from. You know, as a media guy, I wish he would stand up there and tell us about every injury in detail. So there's no guesswork or anything, but I mean, you know, it makes sense why you would protect that stuff. But like, right. check, like man, like anything, he doesn't tell you anything about anything unless it's like, you know, punning like that's the only topic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least we know Thomas More is doing good.
2: So yeah,
0: there you go, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, fan bases, I'm sure, are a little bit different too, because with Boston up there, uh, they, from what I've heard, I, I was a couple months ago down in Vegas. I was actually sitting down with. Uh, uh, the head coach of the Portland Trailblazers summer league team, but he is uh, pipeline through the Boston Celtics, New York Knicks uh, coaching staff, and he said, "Man, I, I love the Portland fans because uh, you know they're passionate. Because really, all they have is basketball over in Boston, if uh, and New York. If any of the one teams are doing bad or shaky." Uh, they'll just move right on to the next team. And I feel like in New Orleans, uh, outside of the Pelicans, who besides last year haven't been really good, same same type of thing. Very very passionate fan base, and and for for, for Boston, even though the Patriots are a dynasty, does seem like those are more so fair weather fans than uh, what you experience in New Orleans. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but that that's the vibe I'd get.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't really know how to answer that because the Patriots have been good forever. Right, and, that's <laughs> like the I thing. Right, you know I wasn't paying attention before that they, they were. They were uh, good. So I have no idea if they'd turn away or not. I mean, I would say that the difference between the, the two sets of fans, like, it seems like the people, the fans in, in in Boston, I don't even know how to put this. It's just like they expect so much. Like, they could win a game 34 to 20, and, like, they'll find and – th- and this might be an extension of the way the team talks about things and, and conducts itself. But, like, they could win a game 34 to 20, and, you know – they, the other team might not get to 20 until five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And, like, they'll find, like, the five things that went wrong with the game and expect, mm-hmm. like, those, those would be the... Like, so there were times where you had to, like, cover wins like losses. Like, just because that that's the way... It, it's weird. I, I It's just, like, a, a really weird thing to, to be in. Whereas I think, like, fans down here, it's like, you know, if they win a game, they win a game. Like, there's concern about the things that went wrong. But it's not, like, this, like... There's, like, not as much negativity. Mm-hmm. It's just so weird that there was so much negativity in success. Or it's like, and, and I guess if you're that good and you, you expect to win the Super Bowl every year and, like, every game's like, well, well, that game isn't Super Bowl worthy. But, like, every game can't be Super Bowl worthy. There's going to be some balls in a
0: season. Yeah, a lot more critical, it sounds like, over there in Boston. So um, uh, one more question before we jump into uh, some of this uh, regular season preview discussion. Uh, Of course, you've been writing for The Advocate. That's not the only thing you do. Uh, Tell us a little little bit about your podcast. We've listened to it uh, obviously before, and I'm sure a lot of our fan base has. But uh, how's it been going? How are you liking it? Uh, It's been really good work, and obviously we love podcasts too. But yeah, it's great. Uh, How's it been going for you so far?
3: it's good. I, I like doing it it's just you know I, I don't mind doing like like radio spots and that but like i would much rather have my own thing like where i can can kind of control the conversation and mm. it's not like cut down to like 8 or 12 minutes like if i want to talk about something for like 30 minutes straight i can talk about it for 30 minutes straight until the topic is covered how i want so you know it's just oh yeah it's just podcast is is a big thing and you know it's growing more people are listening to it and you know it seems like everybody down here there's a lot of them there's a lot of really good good podcasts and i think you know there's you guys uh deuce does his thing we're trying Jug and ralph do their thing like there's just a lot of of good options for for everybody and you know i think that that's great for the fans
0: especially in the 21st century podcast junkie era we're in uh and and I don't know. New Orleans fans are just so passionate. Yeah, they're they're gonna try to get their hands on as many podcasts as possible. So um, glad glad to hear that's going good. Any other questions you guys got before we jump into some regular season stuff? Uh, no,
2: let's
0: go. Cool, cool, yeah, cool. let's do it. So, of course, after three straight years of seven and nine seasons, the Saints made a breakthrough in 2017. This Drew Brees led team, they brought the Saints to 11 and 5 record, and we were, of course, one play away from the NFC Championship game. We're not going to talk about that right now. Uh, the Saints look to build off that momentum into this season to not only get back to the playoffs, no, 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 not just that. We're going to go beyond that. Uh, The expectations are to get Drew Brees another Super Bowl win, and the Teddy Bridgewater trade, if that was an indication of a win-now move, I think a lot of the other moves we've seen, uh, a culmination of them, are pointing just to that. Um, So this season looks to be uh, the Saints' year, and they're going to be fighting for glory. Um, So let's start with some unfortunate news, though. Uh, Obviously, Mark Ingram is going to be out for the first four games. His suspension officially started, uh, I believe, uh, when the cuts were announced this past Saturday. Um, so, he's he's suspended for the first four games. Nick, um, h- how do you see that impacting the Saints? Uh, and, and you know, we, we got Boston Scott. We just recently signed uh, Mike, and I, I'm sorry, I can't... Jilisley? Uh, okay, Jilisley. Th- I'm pretty <laughs> sure his last name, who uh, uh, comes over from the Patriots. We have him, Boston Scott, to kind of take away um, the load uh, from Kamara while Ingram is missing, but... Um, how, of looking at the first four games, Nick, how, how well do you think the Saints are going to be doing without Ingram? Do you think uh, there's going to be a couple hiccups there? Or do you think the preparation, since they've known for the past few months, will will kind of help them out that way?
3: Yeah, I, I haven't even thought about saying his name until right now when yeah, I, I heard him. Right. <laughs> is that, is that I think
1: what so. I w- let's roll with that. Gillespie. Gillespie? Gillespie. Gillespie. Yeah, yeah. Roll with wasn't that. the— wasn't the fullback's name from Friday Night Lights the movie? Wasn't his last name Lee or something like that? That's the reason why I kind of oh. knew how to
0: Mike's name was Gillis. I, I just call sense. him Mike. <laughs> there you go, Mike. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense though.
3: It, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting to me because Mike G has really never caught any passes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I think over his four years in the league, he has like sixteen catches. So I. You know, I, I don't know how they're going to get him involved there. Peyton talked about, you know, he talked about that and said he's probably a first and second down short yardage back. But I think, like, to a certain extent, he's got to catch a few passes just so it isn't like a massive tell every time he comes on the field. Like, there's got to be something there. So I don't know how he blends in. I, I think it'll probably be a combination between him and Scott behind Camara. You know, as far as overall team impact, I think before Ingram got injured, I would have guessed three and one on those first four games. And or not injured, suspended. I would've guessed three and one on those first four games and then you know, I, I think I would still go three and one on those games. They're winnable games. You know, they, they shouldn't have a huge issue with Cleveland. New York's gonna be better than they were, but you know, I, I think they're beatable. Atlanta's really the only hard game in there. Tampa Bay should be an easy win. you know, Atlanta's really the only only hard game in there, and I could see that going either which way. And I don't think it like blows up what they're trying to do. I mean, we saw last year when Camara went out of that Atlanta game, he got knocked out. Like the whole offense fell apart and sputtered without him because like so much went through him you know I think Ingram has you know I think he's a great fit I I think what makes him special is that he does everything really well I don't know if there's like anything that that he's you know elite at or anything like that but he does everything really well I think that's the problem here is that like they don't have that other guy that can do a little bit of everything but you know taking him out I think you can find a way to replace him and I think they'll be fine.
0: Were, were you expecting jonathan williams to make the roster to pick up some of that slack or or was his cut kind of uh not not so surprising to you because I, I i think as a fan base as a whole uh Huda nation was taken aback by the uh, jonathan williams yeah, uh, cut but um you know may, may, maybe after seeing the mike g signing uh things kind of you know are a little bit more clear but were you sh- initially shocked when that went down
3: yeah that was definitely the most surprising one to me uh I don't know if it was so much because of the player. Like I only really saw like two really good runs during the preseason. I think in that second game in the first quarter when he was playing with the starters, he, he had two really good runs, broke some tackles. You know, after that, my line, every time I was asked about the running backs was well, like none of them are even, you know, as close to being as good as Mark Ingram because I didn't see it, but I, I thought it was, I thought like his issue was more about the, you know, the, the other offensive lines. I thought maybe they weren't opening holes for him and, and and that's why he wasn't really having a ton of success. But then Boston Scott was like, you know, quietly stacking together some pretty good runs, averaging, you know, four point eight, I think, or close to five mm-hmm. yards per carry during the preseason. So it was like, wow, ah, are those other offensive lines like really that bad? But it, it really did feel like everything was was behind Jonathan Williams. But I think the league validated the Saints decision here. Like he was he was out there on waivers, nobody claimed him. Somebody could have signed him to their fifty three. Nobody signed him. Like they just, you know, they got him back on the practice squad and you know I, I guess i guess in the way that he was used and it just looked like he was the guy but you know i guess he wasn't the guy so i mean it was surprising but on the other hand like when you started looking at it more in retrospect it's kind of like the signs were there too
0: right right yeah yeah um Definitely some surprises coming with the cuts, though. But uh, going back to the Ingram stuff, Charlie Tyler three and one. I think uh, Nicked it on the nose three and one. Or I, I I could see the Saints going four and zero two. But that Falcons game will be tough. You guys in agreement there? Or do you guys think the team might struggle a little bit more? Do you think we're underestimating how much they'll uh, miss Ingram during those four games? Or, or are you guys in agreement? Pretty much.
1: The only thing about not having Ingram, I mean, is what he does on the field. But it just seems like his. I don't know his attitude and his
0: his presence. Yeah, his, yeah, his like yeah. It, it just creates a
1: I don't know it creates dynamic. a dynamic on the offense yeah. where it's like when he busts one of those hard eight yard runs, it's like you know let's let's go. You know, where yeah. it's so yeah. weird because it used to be like when Breeze would scramble out and throw something down the field to Colston, like that would sort of ignite the dome or ignite the offense. But things have changed a little bit when you see Ingram running hard and wide receivers. Throwing crazy blocks downfield like that, I don't know. I think that's the thing that that we'll miss the most. And I mean, Kamara carries his own swagger to the offense that I think can carry it. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be a long season. I don't, I don't want us to overdo Kamara, but three and one, I, I could see that. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be a pessimist, but I could see two and two. I I'm kind of worried about the Giants. Believe it or not, I mean, it's on the road. Good thing we get them before it gets too cold up there, but you know. Um yeah, yeah. Th- their defense will be bet will be better, but I- I'm not too worried about their pass rush, but the offense i mean that's that's gonna be a big task for our defense to to deal with that yeah that yeah they got back to tight end, the wide receiver it, it's a tough offense they're gonna be a lot better than they were
3: last year, and just to add to that like a lot of players call Ingram the heartbeat of the team, so mm. like you're not wrong in like what he means to them and and you know that presence he just has by being there.
0: Yeah, when he's doing, yeah. you know, post-game interviews with Deion Sanders, that brings a whole lot of swagger and uh, <laughs> a lot of positivity to the locker room, too. So, yeah, that'll that'll be me. What do you, what do you think of Tyler?
2: It's funny, you know, uh, I, I heard it somewhere, and when I heard it, you know, like when I was checking out the roster, I agreed completely, sure, we're going to miss Ingram, but, I mean, it's not like we don't have anybody else that can maybe perhaps throw the ball and get us where we need to be. <laughs> you know, and I think Drew Brees is just going to pick up right where he left off last year, and... I think, you know, I'm not going to say that we're going to pass 80% of the time, but I think if anything goes wrong for the Saints in those four games, I think we're going to have to just let Drew be Drew, you know, and really pick things up, you know, and I mean, we kept six receivers, you know, if that's any indication of anything, it's going to be, you know, Drew likes a lot of guys, and I think we're going to be passing a lot in the first four games, but.
0: Yeah, agree. And I also like that we're opening up the season with a divisional game because that's one division game out of the way off the bat. And it's against, I mean, you know, the obvious worst team uh, <laughs> in, in the division. So uh, I do think that's going to be beneficial for us. And then we go off that one game and we use the momentum from that or or whatever happens. Uh, it's going to be a good starting point for us, I think. So Bucks, I don't think could be a better. And without Jameis Winston to at starting quarterback, a little bit easier for us. Um, or or a little bit harder for us, depending on how, yeah, how good James say, Winston is, right? Is it weird that it's, I don't know? Coin. I don't know which guy
1: I'd rather face. I mean, yeah, Me too. Uh, Fitz can make things happen with his feet, but he makes boneheaded choices. But so does Winston. I, right. I don't know. I know.
0: Both both of them are interception machines, so I I, I think it'll benefit the Saints <laughs> either way. Um. But and we've also talked about this New Orleans Saints team strengths and weaknesses based off obviously the roster that we know now and what we saw in the preseason. I think we're all in agreement. And after listening to what Nick opened up, uh, well, we're definitely all in agreement. The biggest weakness for the team is is right uh, essentially the run defense, specifically up the middle linebacker core. There um, they're definitely
2: helping,
0: uh, right? And uh, but but Nick I uh, so so. My question to you is then: Is that the team's biggest weakness to you still? That, that run defense up the middle for the linebackers. Um, and, and but on the flip side, what do you think is the team's biggest strengths? Because obviously, good coaching staff, uh, Hall of Fame quarterback, uh, one of the best running back duos, better se- one of the best secondaries in the league. Um, so if you, I, I mean, if you had to pick one, of your favorite strength from the team from as being an insider, let me know. And then I'm sure greatest weakness uh, to you is is going to be that run defense.
3: Yeah, their on defense it is definitely the thing they gotta prove out. I do think that they might have the players to fix it. Mm. Like Demario Davis is supposed to be good. Like he was really good at that last year. So like it feels like having like I don't know, is playing on the weak side, does that take away what he did? I don't I don't know how they figure it out. But it feels like the players are there. Like they just need to figure out how to get them to work it and get that communication going. And it seems like they should be able to fix it, but I don't I don't know if they will. Uh you know, the other weakness, I guess, would be tight end. But yeah, it's kind of like reaching a little bit, I think. Offensive line depth is, is something that I'm still a little bit concerned about. You know, if Bushrod had to play, like, would that be okay? Keith's mm-hmm. situation, I don't know, like, what his, if he has an injury right now or, or or not. I'm trying to figure that out. But, like, it, just losing Clemente, I think, is it, kind of a, you know, a deal. Maybe Will Clapp, Cameron Tom, mm-hmm. you know. LaRibis, all those guys. Maybe they can fill in, and it's fine. But that's just something they need to prove. And tight end, too. I just feel like behind Watson, like there, there's some things that still need to be proven there. Greatest strength defensively. I mean, I think it's the secondary. I, I think Marcus Williams is primed to have a, oh, a yeah. huge year. Uh, <laughs> you know, the running backs, and you know, Drew Brees is there. If the wide receivers stop doing the things that you know draft Sean Payton nuts with the little details, <laughs> there's a lot more talent there than there has been in a while. You know, I just think the roster as a whole—that there's everything's there. It's just they gotta they gotta put it to use and execute.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Would you guys agree you know, with Nick that you would say that um a run defense right now is probably a greatest weakness? Sorry,
0: hundred percent, especially. Uh, and 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 you mentioned Mario Davis. I think the guy I want, and and we've been saying it on the podcast for a while now. <laughs> Forever. The guys, the guy we really want to see kind of step up, uh, AJ Klein. Uh, gave him a, a good contract, as we did to DeMario Davis, uh, but in the 2017 offseason as opposed to this one. And uh, haven't seen too much out of him. Uh, I, I do think tail end of last year, he you, know, you could start seeing some flashes out of him, but uh, uh, the preseason hasn't been really impressed me. So, yeah, I definitely say that's the biggest weakness. But as, as Nick mentioned, I mean, we definitely have the guys that can fix it with uh, how— uh, it starts defensive tackle, right? I really like Sheldon Rankins. I like David Onyemata, and then behind them with Taylor Stallworth and how he's been able to step yeah. up in the preseason. Um, it, it, I think we definitely have the pieces there, but uh, I, got, I got to see it in action first. So, yeah, yeah. it's like—is
1: it a scheme thing that's going? Maybe it's because the preseason's so vanilla, and we're not mm-hmm. we're not really scheming as much in the preseason. Whereas like last year, the run defense when it was when it did play well i mean tyler davison was a big part of that and like was locked down yeah i just i don't i don't know what's going on it's almost like we don't have a sam linebacker like i don't you know like we have demario davis and anzalone and robertson who could all play the will and probably the mike and then teo is a good baseline uh middle linebacker but yeah it's just weird how klein hasn't I don't know. I I don't want to dog him too much. It's just weird how it it hasn't all come together for that contract that we paid him.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's really weird right now, you know, how everything's falling into place. But, hey, you know, it was only the preseason, too. So hopefully, uh, like me, guys, we're giving them the benefit of the doubt. Hopefully they'll have everything uh, fixed and, you know, all situated, ready to go. But uh, the next question we've got for you, Nick, you know, about uh, this team heading into the regular season obviously there are a bunch of guys you know that are great players there are a bunch of people that can really make an impact on this team but who do you see right now going to the regular season as a breakout player for the saints someone that can really make an impact for this team going forward
3: i mean i I just mentioned in the last one and it's kind of cheating but i I really do think like marcus williams is is on the brink of of we agree too you know he's a great player what do you guys think
0: no, yeah, for sure, Marcus Williams. Yeah, he's gonna be breakout. Uh, and I also really think—I mean, there's Traquan Smith, kind of an obvious name. I think he's gonna be breakout. I don't know if he counts since I'll he's a rookie, but I think he's gonna explode onto the scene. Um, and uh, Demario Davis for us—I think he'll start jumping out to us once he gets it a little bit more comfortable. I really like his raw talent, um, and hopefully Marcus Davenport. But we'll see. He's a project player. We'll see. We'll see if he ends up jumping out to me. I think. Yeah.
3: Uh, I think Trey Hendrickson could make some contribution. There you go. Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. I
1: love that guy. He you know? Okay, I love him, but there were a couple plays in the Charger game where he was just getting blown off the ball, mm, like yes. put on roller skates.
3: Yeah, yeah I mean, a... that's right. My, my big question with him is, like, you kept seeing him during this preseason, like, winning with the same couple pass rush moves. So, like, yeah, uh, i right. be curious to see, like, once teams, if, if he has some success and, like, teams start looking at him a little bit more closely, you know, and they they have a plan to counteract that if it continues. But you know, th- there there were there were some things in that Chargers game that could have been better. But I think overall, the sum of the parts, like there was more positive than negative. And yeah, you know, ro- rotationally, I think he can contribute and and do some things. Like I I don't think he's gonna, you know, be chasing Cam Jordan for for the title of best mm-hmm. pass rusher on the team. But I think he can do <laughs> some things and help out.
0: Yeah, if he can so, stay uh, if he can stay healthy, for sure. I agree.
3: Yeah, yes. that's a big thing if you can stay healthy. We
1: uh, talked speaking, about mm. Demario. We talked we've briefly mentioned Mark um Marcus Davenport. Like other than the obvious names of Demario Davis, like what which of the new faces do you think will contribute the most? Because I, I kinda or contribute to us the most this year, because I kind of think on defense that might be Patrick Robertson, because we haven't had like a true slot corner for a while. I mean, we were using Vaccaro in there. Um, I know PJ kicked inside, but yeah, I mean, like of the new draft picks, the younger guys and the free agents, which of those do you think will will step in and have the biggest impact this year? I don't know if he'll have the biggest numbers, but
3: I think Kirk Coleman's going to have a big impact just overall on how the defense operates. Like last year, those first two games when the defense was was just terrible, like they were trying to do a lot of things like, where the, the two deep safeties, well, they played two deep safeties, and they were interchangeable and, like, help with the disguise. And, you know, at the snap, one could drop up, one could go down in the box, or they could play two shell. Like, it, they were trying to do a lot of different things with the disguise. It didn't work. Kenny Vaccaro gets benched because he looked awful trying to play deep, and it, it just didn't work out. And Coleman can do some of those things. So I think just him being there on the field opens up the playbook a little bit more for the defense and you know, you'll get to see a little bit more of of everything uh, Dennis Allen wants to try to do with that defense, and you know his whole thing is disguise and, and deception, and and I just think that gives him the full complement of plays. And I agree with you on P Rob too, just having a real slot corner, I think will will help a lot. You know, Vaccaro was fine at it for a strong safety, but you know, he's he's no he's no P Rob at it.
1: So I think those are the two guys. Yeah. Well, what worries me, like, sorry, Dayton, just no, one you're more good. quick you're follow good. up to yeah. no, you So like. Kurt Coleman, P. Rob, um, DeMario, and then Davenport. Um, like, what kind of worries me is the amount of new faces we have on the defense. Like, obviously, they're talent-wise, they're upgrades. But, like, I kind of sense, maybe I'm completely wrong, a little bit of an early learning curve with the defense. And I guess, ho- you know, a good thing we open up against – the Bucks and the Browns, although the Browns look to be a lot more talented than in the past. Like, but do you see a little bit of a learning curve issue in the beginning of the season? Maybe not as drastic that we saw last year, but do you, do you kind of see some of that just because, because of the new guys building the chemistry and getting the system down? No, that, that's a fair concern.
3: I mean, I think you saw like three or four busted coverages with the starting defense during the preseason, just based off of probably communication stuff that they need to figure out. So, you know, hopefully that doesn't linger too much into the regular season. You know, I, I will say, I think Coleman and DeMario Davis, like, immediately are, like, two of the smartest guys on the team. Like, they're just super intelligent and, you know, they they, they communicate well. So, you know, that learning curve, if there is stuff that comes up, I, I think they'll figure out how to fix it quickly. And you just hope that, like, you know, the, the damaging coverage breaks. Like, you just hope that stuff stayed in the preseason and doesn't linger into the regular season. But... Look, there's a reason some people call September like the extended preseason because oh, yeah. like, it takes time to figure those things out. The the practice roles, the C B A, all that stuff, like kinda stunts the growth that teams used to make during the off season. And you just gotta hope that that they manage to pick up some wins because you don't wanna be in the middle of that schedule after the bye, like when they're playing LA, uh, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, <laughs> the Ravens. Like there's that six week stretch that's brutal. like brutal. Yeah, you don't want to be trying to catch up there. So they need to handle business, figure out these lumps and, you know, hopefully win three of these first four games.
0: Yeah. And yeah, I, not only do I love our secondary personnel-wise, I love how Dennis Allen coordinates these guys. The packages that he has are great, and and I think one way to combat maybe our uh, uh, weaker, so to speak, uh, a linebacking play that we've we've been seeing. Uh, and I saw Allen; he'll probably do it a lot more in the regular season. Saw him do it quite a few times in the uh, preseason too. Putting a guy like Kurt Coleman uh, at, at maybe at weak side linebacker, so to speak, uh, so that you have more so athletic body out there uh, who can also uh, be uh, fantastic at coverage as opposed to and and Kurt Coleman is a hard hitter as well too um, but his veteran presence out there so I love that uh, we get Patrick Robinson back because uh, that will fit nicely into the Dennis Allen nickel packages that he runs too and apparently ESPN doesn't know that we have P Rob I don't know if, <laughs> you want you guys know that or I'm sure you we, we've all seen it now but yeah they, they, they said oh, I love the secondary but who's gonna cover the slots? Super Bowl champion. Yeah. ESPN Gromson ranked
1: and us Randy. like the projection of 30th, our 30th. defensive rank at 30th. It's like, Jeez. what? okay, I get it, but, like, we're, uh, come on. What are I we doing? They, I want to know who they talked to because that was really
3: bad. Right, like, right. One, it definitely <laughs> wasn't Triplett. Yeah, yeah t- you got
1: to talk girl. to Boy Triplett there. <laughs> it was Mike Sando. It was Mike Sando wow. at ESPN. He, it's like – like, yeah. He
3: talked he talk to like an unnamed executive. Like, I want to know mm. who this executive <laughs> is that doesn't know like who's on other teams. Like, how is he getting paid to run an NFL team? If oh, he's really? like unaware that the Saints have this like incredible secondary and added P-Rob to it. Like, what are you talking about? Thomas right, wow. yeah. Dimitrov.
0: There you go. Yeah. And it, <laughs> it's we're, crazy. Wearing a disguise. He He thought it was a Saints exec.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: but um, it's funny we mentioned P. Rob, you know, being the slot corner. But uh, really quick, I wanted to mention, you know, it's funny we mentioned that on the defensive side of the ball. But what about the slot receiver? You know, talking about somebody, mm. you know, uh, sure when we had Willie Sneed somebody in the slot that you know was consistent enough until you know things went for the worst. But now we've got Cameron Meredith and Austin Carr who can be used as slots. So I thought that'd be something cool. You know, a couple of new fresh, uh, a couple of new faces. You know, Austin Carr, somebody oh, yeah. that could possibly. Get snaps on the regular season. Cameron is somebody new that could be, um, you know, getting uh, snaps for the Saints, really making uh, an impact that way.
0: Yeah, I'm but, glad. Um, I'm I'm glad Carr and Tommy Lewis made the team because I yeah, was me thinking, too. We we were talking about it. I was thinking only one of those guys, if if one of them was going to make it, would be Lewis. So I'm glad to see Carr make the team too. Yeah, bolsters the the slot receiver position, which I think is a, a fairly important part in the Saints' offense too. Yeah. yeah
3: I, I'll say Tommy Lee, him making the team was, was the biggest surprise to me. I I just assumed that Brandon Tate was going to make it and Tommy Lee wouldn't. So the maybe Tate getting cut was the biggest surprise to me. Going back to that previous question, right? Those those two slot guys, though, it's interesting because like they're different prototypes. Like Austin Carr is more like the Willie Snead type, and Cam yeah. is probably more like the Marcus Colston type. So it kind of gives them like two different body type, athletic, you know, athletes out of that position. And you know, the big thing for Meredith. He just he just needs to keep getting up to speed. I think, you know, that 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 slot position, so much of it is chemistry and timing. And, and that's where the receivers make adjustments. Like, I don't think there, there's a whole lot of like adjustments being made on the outside. Like you might turn like a an out route into a corner out, depending on how they're playing you, like a little thing like that. But like in the slot, there's times where, you know, depending on how the coverage is, you know, Marcus Colson would start running a crossing route, see where a linebacker sitting and turn it into a post and like Breeze would be looking for him to do that. So they got to have that type of that type of chemistry. So that's another thing that might, you know, going into the, the the extended preseason, so to speak, that might take a little time to to get up to speed. Just, you know, not just learning the playbook, learning to see the field through Breeze's eyes and making those adjustments. And that might give Carr, you know, Carr's been here for for a year. I know it's just mostly in practice, but you know that that is something that that I think it is a little bit of an advantage to him, just because he has a year in the system seeing tapes seeing how guys adjusted and doing different things and you know breeze talked about that after the la game just you know the chemistry and how much that helps but you know once meredith gets that all down you know he, he's probably going to be really good in this offense or theoretically should be really good in this offense
2: yeah absolutely you know it's funny we've talked a little bit about the few for uh, a few games you know uh, you said earlier they think uh, we could go three and one which obviously is uh pretty hopeful hopefully we can continue that momentum going but uh nick when you look at the schedule though uh how do you see everything turn out for the saints you know uh who do you see right now as our biggest challenges and then at the same time uh i want to say our gimme wins but our easiest foes uh
3: coming up uh you know i think i would probably predict it at 11 and 5 um you know the easiest games, probably, probably, uh, you know, I, th- I think it starts out. Tampa Bay should be beatable, especially Week One with Fitzpatrick. But, like you guys, I, I don't know how much of a difference that makes. Uh, you know, I think Cleveland is going to be a better team, but playing them early should be it. Should be a winnable game there. Uh, you know, they should be able to beat New York. You know, the toughest teams. I, I think probably the Rams. You know, if everything comes together, that on paper they they're the most talented team in the NFC probably but we've seen these teams go out and just overload on free agents and acquiring guys through trades and then it doesn't come together and it doesn't work mm. out. They have a ton to prove. You know, I don't know if Philadelphia is going to be as good as they were a year ago but but they're they're a tough opponent. You know, uh Vikings. The Vikings obviously. Yeah, they're going to be tough. And then uh, Pittsburgh too. I, I think they have the weapons, and you know, I, Char- I think it was Charlie. He you mentioned the Giants. I, I don't know overall, but I think defensively, there's a lot of things they can do that that could, you offensively that they could do that could stress out the Saints defense. So I don't think that's like a, a huge slam dunk win. It's probably it's a tougher game than it probably looks like. On like, would they go three and thirteen? They're going to be way better than three and thirteen.
1: Yeah, I mean, just having Odell on the field, it completely and changes Saquon. how how you defend that and then adding in Barkley who can do everything. You know, it's, I don't know that for some reason, that game was just sticking off the schedule at me or for me, uh, early in the season. Yeah. I mean,
0: what sticks? What out, th- sorry. 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 Hmm? I, didn't mean to no, I was just going to ask you, yeah, what,
2: what were you thinking for your games? What, you know, um,
0: what sticks out to me the most is this just the, the three you, you don't, you don't see this happen too, too often in the, well, I I guess you do, but not not necessarily November, December, but the Saints have a three-game road trip in Dallas, in Tampa Bay, in Carolina, so two division um, games in a row on the road, uh, and right before that, you play the, uh, you know, improved Dallas Cowboys, get Zeke back, have that really, really solid uh, defensive front line. And uh, then the Buccaneers, they'll have Jameis back. Who knows what kind of rhythm they could be in. Panthers, who knows how good they'd be. And then we host the Steelers, one of the best AFC teams. So that four-game stretch right there, the three games on the road, uh, two against division opponents, and then going up against the Steelers, who who, who knows, they could be the you know uh, team representing the AFC in the Super Bowl after this year when it's all said and done. So few talented teams in a row like that. So that's really the only trouble spot to me. Other than that, I, I, I'm glad we're hosting the Eagles – um I think the Bengals are, are actually probably going to be the biggest blowout game for us um I know they have AJ Green and he don't John Ross fairly talented offense um but I I think that they're they're flukes especially in that AFC North division I think that'll be the biggest blowout game for us will be the easiest uh but yeah the Rams tough Vikings gonna back to back I think the Ravens are going to be better um and so r- other than that, though, yeah, I think 11-5, and 12-4, we could definitely go. Um, I think that we'll win five of our six division games. The only game I see us losing divisionally is uh, in Atlanta week four, uh, which is why I think we'll go 3-1. and one. Other than that, I think that we can definitely sweep the rest of the de- of the division games, especially after we handled a business against Carolina last year, uh, and obviously Tampa Bay is so unpredictable year in and year out and doesn't look too good for them this year. Um, so, yeah, 11-5, and 12-4, I think we'll do good in the division but uh, what are you thinking, Tyler? I'm pretty sure you're you're probably on the same boat I am because we we talk about this stuff all the time. But
2: yeah, I'm I'm thinking 11 and five too. I just wanted to uh, mention real quick that I'm hoping, praying, praying, praying very hard that the Saints end up uh, soundly defeating the Redskins uh, week uh, five because I'll be in New Orleans that first week in October. But um, other than that, though, you know, I, I always like to mention it, but the Saints play very good teams most of the time pretty well so i'm hoping we do well this year and we really kick butt but uh, what were you thinking charlie though of your, uh, your game's predictions
1: yeah well i'll second the uh the redskins game since i'm i live here in maryland which is <laughs> i'm between the ravens and the redskins like where i live is between those two fan bases, so and we actually play both of them. I'll be at that Ravens game this year, which is pretty cool because Ravens is the only team that uh, Breeze hasn't been able to beat, so it'll be right. awesome to see that in person. But yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I'm there with eleven and five. I could, I could definitely see that. The only thing I'm, I mean, other than what you guys mentioned so far in the schedule, that just ticks me off is I don't understand why the NFL at the end of the year will do this thing where you play the same team twice in three weeks. It's just. Yeah like that I can see us dropping one of those Panther games because the Panthers are a good team. I think they'll be better than they were last year. And we see them twice in 3 weeks and then, you know, that's sandwiched around a really talented Steelers team. It's just it's just weird. The only thing I can say is, you know, we have two Thursday night games and luckily they're back to back where we're not, you know, or in the past it's always like we have an away Thursday night game and then it almost seems like an away Sunday game the next week or, you know, but, yeah, 11-5, and five, I, I could I could definitely see that. It's so
3: weird to me that the Panthers made the playoffs because, like, it just feel, felt like they were a trash team because mm. we saw the just kill them three times. It was <laughs> yeah. not very good, but it's like, wait, they went 10-6 and, and made the playoffs. They actually probably were pretty good. It's crazy. They beat the Vikings.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, cra- it's crazy, too, because, like, the Saints beginning to the season, right, 0-2, looked really bad against Minnesota, didn't look too great against the, the Patriots at home week two. And, and our first win of the season to kick off that eight-game win streak was us dismantling uh, the Panthers. At, so, yeah, I'm uh, yeah I'm right with you there, Nick. I don't know how they made the – they just seemed like absolute garbage every time the Saints played them. But, yeah, playoff
1: team. We matched – we figured out – I think we figured out Cam Newton. Oh, like, oh yeah.
0: yeah. I think they, like we
1: match up against them really well, more so than a lot of these other – well, a lot of the other teams in our division because – I don't know, we figured out how to get pushed up the middle and take away his first read and, you know, have Cam Cam Jordan come around on the edge. And then next thing you know, Cam Newton's every single ball he throws sails high.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's got nowhere to go, too. Yeah, offensive
0: line is awful.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, I guess last question, unless you guys have anything else, but I, I think the last question we got for this uh, – season preview here nick if you had to say i mean you don't have to give us an exact like you know uh game they'll go to and they'll end up finishing but uh, you think the saints will finish 11 and 5 we're in agreement with you there i think i I think tyler and i are in agreement that that we're predicting the saints to go to the super bowl at least i am and i tyler i am too okay who knows um what what are you thinking, Nick? Again, you don't, you don't have to like give us anything exact because it's early and and playoffs are unpredictable. But eleven and five is probably going to be good enough to get the Saints in the playoffs. How far do you do you see the team going? Like like obviously there are chances of them being bounced the first round, chances of them winning the Super Bowl. But but realistically, how far do you how how deep at least do you see the Saints going?
3: Well, I'll, I'll just say if they aren't in the final four in the NFC, I think it's a disappointment. Hmm. It, you 100%. know, we, we, start, we we saw how quickly like weird stuff can happen, uh, you know, yeah. on digs. So, you know, anything could happen in the play like it's man, I, I still think they could have played the Eagles really well too. Like, oh yeah. But yeah, I mean I think if they aren't there in the final four, and then if once you're there, anything can happen. That they, they could go as far as, you know, locking whatever, if it lines up with them, they definitely got the talent. And you know, I, I hate to put like, you know, that word disappointment, but if they aren't there, like that's yeah. that's good this team is and you know that's just a sign of of respect for the talent they assembled and how well they performed last year so
0: yeah,
3: damn, yeah. that's that's not a good season anything less, i i think is is a little bitter
1: yeah yeah nick um just a couple of things before we we let you go and, and we really do appreciate you coming on man i know that you're super yeah, busy do. you uh you mean. have a lot going on and <clears throat> you sort of hinted at it on on twitter and you may not want to give it away yet but i'm like chopping at the bit for your your massive like preview article that you're working on is is that yeah i already brought
3: it up it's the Bruce thing. i I just watched every pass he's thrown as a saint right wrote like a four thousand word article about it uh, (laughs) so it's getting printed on sunday i don't know when it'll post online but
1: it'll it'll sometime this week awesome and then
0: no, go yeah, ahead, You're good. You're good. Yeah,
1: I'm pumped. All right. This is kind of a corny question, but you're in New Orleans now. Like, Boston to New Orleans couldn't be two different worlds. Like, what is your favorite cliche thing about New Orleans? Like, is it the gumbo? Is it the music? Is it just the vibe of the city? Like, what's your favorite thing about just living in New Orleans? I haven't covered the Saints.
3: Yeah, the two places couldn't be any more different.
1: <laughs> uh, You know the ease of living
3: here is probably is probably my favorite thing about it. Like nothing feels that hard, nothing is like that serious. It's like really easy going. That would be the cliche thing. You know, the thing I love most about the city though is it's just like, I would say, I don't want this to come off egotistical, but like just the love the city shows me Mm. like makes me love the city that much more. Back, like I feel appreciated by you know the Saints fans so much and. You know, they've made me feel so welcome. And like, this is like a really like corny, borderline emotional thing to say, but like, you know, people <laughs> always tweeted me, like, oh, I hope you never leave. Like, I have no intentions of leaving. Like, <laughs> you I can heard you hear it here first. So, like, you know, it would take like an incredible offer to get me out of here.
1: Yeah. I mean, New Orleans is, it's it has this infectious vibe about it. Like, I worked down there on the Katrina stuff, um, you know, uh, and then I worked down there. On the bp oil spill stuff and so i worked there professionally on some projects and i've also been there um you know leisurely a bunch of times to watch the saints and do stuff like that and it's like it's like it's just infectious it's so hard to go there and not enjoy yourself even if like okay i was there in 2012 the rg3 coming out game where he just torched us and like Walking away from the from the dome was like, you know, leaving a funeral. but like <laughs> even that trip, even that trip to New Orleans was awesome. I mean, I don't know. it's an infectious city. And, and like it's it's very easy to fall in love with the city. The people are awesome. The food's awesome. The culture's awesome. The vibe of it is awesome. And they love their saints and pelicans and lSU, you know it's mm. like I totally get what you're saying, man. it's it's an infectious vibe for sure.
3: I could do without lizards getting in my house. The other day, I sat down at my desk and like moved something. And there was like a lizard right on my desk. And said, oh my gosh! That's like, I not can't good. <laughs>
1: I guess, yeah, liz- lizards are, are probably annoying. But hey, I mean, I take lizards over like Scorpions. one of those crazy nor'easter storms that just plops oh, on yeah. top of Boston and dumps four feet of snow.
3: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> or absolutely. or or
0: half of the people in Boston. I I take <laughs> New Orleans over. Yeah. No. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Boston. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> it's bast- bastard. Bastard. No, it just-
2: <laughs> Absolutely. But um, before we uh, get to our social media plugaways and everything like that, there's a quick segment that we like to do. It's really close. Uh, cap everything off, and it's just like a further sign of respect to our team. Uh, the team that you cover, Nick. The team that we love. You know, and-, and we call it the reasons why we love the Saints. So that could be literally anything. You know, a player, something about the city, anything. It's just the reasons why we love New Orleans, we love the Saints. So, I'll just quickly uh, uh, start off mine. Uh, I saw on Twitter earlier today that Marcus Davenport... Today is actually his birthday, so happy birthday to you, Marcus Davenport, a rookie defensive end He's hopefully going to make a huge impact for us. So, uh, uh, cap's off to you, man. But, uh, Nick, if you want to go first, actually, uh, just uh, any random player, anything, and just a uh, quick reason why... You enjoy the Saints, so
0: yeah. Any any any, any, any. Uh, uh, I'm sure inside I, info, me. Yeah. Have you most? been? Have you been? I, I don't know how often you talk to players, but I'm sure a lot of them. Uh, I don't know if you've talked to them personally about them making the team, like some borderline guys. Uh, but you, you might not have had a chance to since it's only been a few days. But I don't know if there's any conversations like that you've had recently uh, yeah, with my, players. Yeah. My, so.
3: my favorite story about that uh, Boston Scott. He had the cutdown day wrong. Had no idea the cutdown. Huh was out with his fiancee, just, like, enjoying the day. Thought the cut down wasn't until the next day, you know, so he never got stressed, never thought about it. And then, like, he got a call, and it was like, hey, like, you made the team. And
0: That's <laughs> I awesome. Saw that. What? That's awesome. Dear oh, boy, my gosh. He must first be first happy.
3: Up his calendar. Yep. Wow. wow. Awesome.
0: Could you imagine? Oh, my gosh. I'd be – oh, man. that That's awesome. That's a lot better than, like, thinking it's, uh, you know, like – if you thought it was Friday, he doesn't get a call Friday. Saturday rolls around. He's like, oh, man, I didn't make the team. That's awesome. I didn't well, know that. Oh, man. Be, oh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, from your tweet, Nick, too, it sounds like Boss Scott will be doing a uh, kick and a little bit of punt return duties for the Saints heading into the season, sounds like.
3: Yeah, that, that's the impression he has, yeah, for sure.
0: I like it. I like it.
3: Sounds awesome. Anything you guys, got, Charlie? And Charlie?
0: Yeah, go ahead, Charlie. Um, I know I, I'm coming up with something on the spot, too. I'm trying to find anything. It's been a boring day on Twitter for uh, for, for what Saints players have been saying.
1: Well, okay, here's one thing. Like, uh, in... People who are listening to this, they're gonna they're gonna probably be taken aback, but I know they're gonna agree. Louisiana sports fans are so petty, and I absolutely mm. love that. Like we'll never <laughs> give up the 28 to 3 stuff. Like we no, were going bad. off on Miami with the turnover chain thing this weekend. That was great. And honestly, that's part of the reason why I love Louisiana sports so much, is because like we take pettiness to a level unknown to other other sports fans <laughs> in the country, and I'm I'm totally here for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's speaking pretty of who, dope. yeah. Speaking of which, uh, I wanted to mention uh, ties into this is the reason why I love the Saints. Uh, the it ties into what you were just saying, uh, Charlie, about the uh, I guess not not so much petty, but the passion of the uh, Louisiana sports fans. Even Marshawn Lattimore, obviously an Ohio State guy, uh, there was a little bit of a scruffle during the Miami LSU game, uh, and he tweeted. Uh, uh, I'm going to find the tweet real quick, but. Um, you have on tweeting his support uh, of LSU, even though he's a, you know, uh, uh Ohio, Ohio state, state guy. guy, uh, you well, know, he's j- from,
1: he's from the JV team of new, of the saints. Uh, that's why uh, so he's, he's got the, he's got, you know, other than being in, in Louisiana, you know, Ohio state's the JV team. of the Saints.
0: There you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and awesome. yeah, but that, that's why I, I, I do love that. The fact that he's, uh, you know, tweeting out his support of, uh, Louisiana sports, even though. Yeah, the JV team, the the, the Ohio State, the <laughs> New Orleans State University. Uh, but anyway, uh, I think that's all the time we have for today. Fantastic episode, Nick. First off, again, thank you so much for coming on. If you want to plug away your social media, I know most people know where to find you, but uh, plug away uh, anything you got going on for the people. Uh, let them know uh, what you got going on.
3: Yeah, just uh, keep an eye out for everything on The Advocate. All the season preview stuff should be up this week, and uh, I'm on Twitter at Nick underscore Underhill. And he's verified too, guys. <laughs> I
0: th- yeah, I th- I'm, I'm Nick. Yeah, Nick. Nick is the first verified uh, Twitter account we've had on the show. So that's 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 a big step in the right direction for us. Uh, I don't know how Charlie is verified on Twitter. You guys can follow him <laughs> at oh, Saint geez. Charlie. Uh, uh, regular season going to be kicking off, and uh, obviously you guys know about Charlie's uh passionate tweets during during games. So I'm looking forward to that. That's one of my favorite parts of the season. Um, year number two, Charlie. I felt like I've known you for like five years, man, but we just recently <laughs> met, like about a year ago. This time, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Actually, it was right. It was right after the London game when mm-hmm. me and my wife went to went to Europe and went to London and watched the Saints beat the not out of the uh the dolphins it was right it was like right after that game
0: so it's even less uh, than a year that's crazy to me that's yeah, absolutely wild. that is all right tyler let's let's do the yeah. sign off
2: famous sign off all right well thanks so much nick again for uh coming on thanks for charlie for again for coming on you guys are awesome We had a great tandem tonight, you know, and uh, so as far as social media, though, guys on Twitter, make sure to check us out. Our official Who That Dish podcast Twitter account at the WDD podcast. Make sure to check out Dayton Brown, the other great guy, the co-host of the other side of Mike at Dayton underscore Brown underscore. Make sure to check myself out at Raymond Tyler M. Make sure to check out Who That Dish on Facebook. They're posting all of our great articles and all of our great podcast episodes on there. So check that out. And as far as our podcast episodes, where to find us? You can check them out on Spreaker.com and on iTunes. Just search the Who That Dish podcast. You'll find us there. So.
0: Thanks again to Nick and Tyler for coming on the show. Tune in Friday. We will be having a preview episode with somebody from the Peter Plank to help us preview the Saints-Bucks Week 1 matchup of the 2018 season. Uh, And, of course, as I mentioned last episode, uh, every week for the regular season we'll be having at least two episodes pumping out for you guys, a preview episode, a review episode. If any other news pops up, we'll be sure to hop on for an extra podcast episode just for you guys. So be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter to stay up to date with everything. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys soon, and as always, huda.